Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Wannabe Walk-Ons, a Nebraska football and craft beer fan podcast, the official podcast of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and a proud member of the Herd at Sports Network. I'm Drew, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, Ben. Thanks, Drew. For you new listeners, each episode, Drew and I will sample craft beer, mostly local, some beyond, while sharing our unique brand of Husker Insight. We encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or X at Wannabe Walk-Ons for the most up-to-date show information. And please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform or conveniently stream each episode at wannabewalkons.com and click on the podcast. Saddle up with us as we sit on the sofa for a skull session summarizing the sights and sounds of Saturday Sanders Rule Showdown and sip on some Sunday ciders. Then stay still as we steer the show to next Saturday's September matchup against Northern Illinois. I'm out of S's. <laughs> and I'm Drew. And this is Wannabe Walk-Ons. So, Drew, how are you doing? How are you feeling after Saturday's matchup, uh, Nebraska against Colorado? I'm, I'm, I think I'm okay. Yeah, I, I feel like I've already kind of moved on from yeah. the experience, and I'm, I'm getting that general sense from a, a lot of folks. Um, folks are pointing out kind of what the obvious pain points are, uh, what the obvious opportunities are for this Nebraska team to grow, what we need to do to succeed, and and I think what's nice is. There's some somewhat of a simple answer of finding an offensive identity and growing through that and playing mistake-free football yeah. uh, for at least two quarters you know, to try and <laughs> string that together. Any two quarters. Just pick two quarters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what was nice, though, was today we got a, a nice reminder that life goes on, you know, outside mm-hmm. of football. It was my, my oldest birthday, family birthday party today. Yeah. And we, we got, as a family, a very nice, well-needed laugh, very big laugh. And I just wanted to share that with you because this is... Maybe one of the funniest things that just naturally happened. Okay. Um, we were all gathered around after after lunch opening up birthday presents. My seven-year-old was opening up his presents and he, he unwrapped one of the boxes. And uh, it, was, it was from a family member and along the top, the packing tape um, said, uh, gosh, what did it say? 
this is a great riveting story, isn't it? <laughs> it, it said something along the lines of like urns are us. And it was a box uh, that was used to ship an urn for a family member's uh, remains. And that was what the birthday present was packaged in. And we, we just, everyone saw that and got a really, really good laugh <laughs> out of it. And the, the story, I guess, goes was that the first box that uh, this person picked out uh, didn't fit everything. So they just grabbed the next nearest cardboard box to yeah. throw everything in and weren't even aware um, of what the box was. <laughs> and and then uh, the family members said, um, oh, that makes sense why the box said fragile all over. <laughs> so a really nice reminder that life goes on, a good laugh yeah. that everyone needed. And uh, my seven-year-old was like, what are you got? What is so funny <laughs> about right this? Just right over his head. Yeah. But it, it wound up... It, you know, there was kind of a joke that like it worked out well because his birthday party theme was vampires. So there was like there was a big coffin in our entryway. There was a uh, a lot of blood dripping everywhere. And it was this spooky hunt. I think he loves Halloween. Yeah. So like he can't wait for it. So he's like, we got to do vampires for my birthday. So nice. And, yeah. and you're already decorated. You guys don't even have to take any of that stuff down. No, you're good. No. You're set for the next couple months. Absolutely. So it was a nice reminder <laughs> of, of all the good that there is and the laughs and, and the joy that can be shared even even after. uh a loss as such. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. There's, um, there's really no sense in like dwelling on the negativity. Yeah. Um, even if his, that's Shador Sanders should follow that advice, uh, in his post game press conference. <laughs> Don't yeah. dwell on the negativity. You just won, bud. Yeah. You don't need to make up lies about what our head coach said about your pops. Yeah. I saw, I, I didn't watch the, any of the, any of their press press conferences but i did see the the headlines and and all of that and just and then people calling out that matt rule said i want to coach my guys i don't want to live in the transfer portal and it's like you yes you were the school that did that the most colorado mm-hmm. but a lot of schools did that a lot of them and not just talking about you nebraska did it too yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah i don't know i know there was a lot of chatter in the offseason um where you know Matt Rule, his comments did get tied back to to Deion Sanders in the Colorado program, um, but uh, he never specifically said anything. It was that was yeah. that was fans and the uh, the only thing media. that he I think specifically mentioned was when they had recruits coming through and they were playing Madden and they mm-hmm. were playing with like legendary players in a certain mode and Deion Sanders was one of them and he was like shut that off we're oh, recruiting yeah. against like <laughs> yeah. was giving credit to be fair it was yeah. like this guy's a friggin legend of course these kids want to go play for him yeah absolutely so shut that shit off <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was a compliment 100%, I would think yeah yeah and I mean there was I think a pretty serious recruiting battle too for Malachi Coleman to potentially yep. go to Colorado yeah and there was so uh, you know I can understand where maybe uh stuff can be implied but to just outright be like yeah, and then they had a field meeting on our on our Buffalo. It's like, it's not sacrosanct to to stand at midfield and talk. Yeah, you can stand on the end, and I'm not going to be offended, right? You know, I don't care. It's a football field. We weren't planting corn in the middle of their field or anything, right? Yeah, right. I don't know. That would be an incredibly good touchdown <laughs> celebration if a Husker pulled corn seed out of his <laughs> pocket, it. cut a cut a hole in a in a natural grass field and like was actually planned <laughs> like that that would be incredible that'd be a very good prank in that'd an off amazing. season too oh man yeah to like grow corn on someone's <laughs> field. we Shoot. need to find out who has natural grass purdue yeah purdue okay. does and their field always looks like it's been um plowed <laughs> it's yeah. seriously it's the worst field and it always looks like someone's gone through it and like overturned the ground yeah so oh man oh man well, what do you say we talk a little bit about uh, 
this delicious drink we've got to our side. Let's do it. Yeah. You know, that's a nice, that was a terrible segue into a delicious drink. Uh, that's all right. Okay. You, you can, whatever segue you need <laughs> to get us there. <laughs> it's just, here, here's, here's the segue. It's me turning the page. <laughs> just like we're doing on Nebraska football. Exactly. And then we're going to go right back. We're, we're going to reread that chapter. It. Yeah. But we'll do it from 30,000 feet and it'll sound intelligent. I, I hope so. I hope it's better than that segue. Yeah. Well, all right. Let's talk cider. <laughs> well, we are drinking Curveball Cider today from the James Arthur Vineyard, and I thought I'd tell a little bit about the James Arthur Vineyard uh, and the Curveball Cider, and then we can talk about what we think about this cider. Perfect. So in 1992, James Arthur Jeffers purchased a few hundred acres of land near Raymond, Nebraska, for his family to enjoy. The idea of growing a few grapevines was planted in his head by his son-in-law, Jim Ballard. Soon, the first 100 vines were a reality Planted by hand, three different varieties were purchased from a nursery in upstate New York. As the number of vines grew, so did the idea of turning the family's hobby into an actual business. After serious consideration and careful planning, James Arthur Vineyards was formally established in 1996 and officially opened the winery doors in September of 97. 26 years later, and James Arthur Vineyards has produced a wide variety of award-winning wine, all of which are made from American cultivars and French hybrid grapes. This means everything planted is winter hardy and meant to be grown in areas with shorter growing seasons. Some of these grapes include Edelweiss, La Crosse, St. Croix, and I'm not going to pronounce this right, but I think it's uh, Vignolis. Sure. You know? It doesn't sound as fancy as the other ones when you say it like that. V-I-G-N-O-L-E-S. Okay. Vignol. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Just to mention a few uh, for those grape connoisseurs out there. (laughs) Uh, the difference between these and Venefra grapes, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, etc., is that everything James Arthur Vineyards plants has everything they need to survive the harsh Nebraska winter temperatures and shorter growing seasons. So they're growing the stuff that grows best here, and they're making their products out of that, which is really cool to, yeah. to not only grow stuff here, but also to do something that you know will thrive and to get the best version of that. So grown and produced here in Nebraska, the winery offers the finest of table wines. James Arthur Vineyards is the largest and oldest operating winery in the state. You can find anything from barrel-aged reds to crisp whites and delicious dessert wines and everything in between. Now, over the years, the estate has also grown into the acquisition of new land and the addition of apples, pears, and other fruit crops. Enter Curveball Hard Cider, made from only the finest apples. Curveball Cider knocks it out of the park with their lineup of great flavors. James Arthur Vineyards believes a great cider should be like a warm, sunny day at a ballpark. And with JAV's Curveball Cider, they think they've come up with a hard cider that pays homage to the timeless game of baseball. James Arthur Vineyards is now the largest winery in Nebraska. As mentioned before, they're producing wine uh, from their estate vineyard, as well as contracted growers throughout the state of Nebraska, with its focus always on producing the highest quality Nebraska product. Their family's third generation has now become involved in the winery, making JAV a true family endeavor. Built on passion, dedication, and old-fashioned work, JAV has built a business Nebraskans can be proud of. That's a little history of the James Arthur Vineyards and how they came about the cider part. Makes me think a little bit of Papa Moon, which we reviewed earlier in the season, that it's a family effort. Yeah. That they went from wine into the cider world. Uh, There's pride, there's tradition, there's love, so there's a lot going into it there. Um, I did not find the connection between family and baseball and why it's so important to them. Um, you know, but I thought baseball is a romantic sport. Yeah. Wine is a romantic drink. Um, there's also like a value in wine 
and in baseball of like tradition, lineage, kind of all those things. So yeah. I'm sure it's something simple like James Arthur loves baseball, but I think there's some like hidden layers to maybe why curveball is an even deeper fit than just like, nah, I like to go watch baseball games. <laughs> yeah, um, there's probably something there. I and then the last thing of note is on their website, there is a cheeseburger that looks so good. There's a picture of a cheeseburger because they serve food okay. on the weekends. <laughs> they they have a grill. This really great cheeseburger. And it, just, it looks like the perfectly grilled cheeseburger. It's not too thick. It's not too thin. It's got like melty cheddar cheese on top. Yeah. It just looked very good. So uh, all of those things combined make me think this is this is a place. Yeah. A, I mean? a destination for so, sure. We are currently sipping on the, the Grand Slam Curveball Cider. Drew, what do you think of the cider? I really enjoy it. This is um, a traditional cider, which um, I remember with Papa Moon, we had some some interesting flavors and different things added, whereas this is just straight up apple juice um, and sugar. And it's good. It's snappy. It's clean. It's crisp. Um, still refreshing. It's a good balance between the tart and the sweetness. So, When we first sat down before we hit the record button, you had said, you know, I don't really associate cider with baseball yeah having tried this and with how light and kind of airy and effervescent this is do you feel like this is something you could enjoy i don't know less on less on maybe a seat at a ballpark but more like on a berm while you're watching the game with a picnic blanket or something like that yeah yeah in the same way that you know you would you would want to have like a a lemonade or a shandy or something like that it does it really does fit into that that category of drink yeah um and 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 steers away from um, other ciders that have maybe different flavors that, that fit more closely with what you would associate with like fall. Yeah. That's always my big fear with a, with a cider is that it's going to feel like a fall drink, like a heavy drink where yeah. like it fills you up. It's going to be a little bit sugary. Mm-hmm. Whereas this uses the sugar obviously for the fermentation process, but it doesn't feel like it's over sweetened. Yeah. It feels like the apple is really actually getting to come through. On a little bit more research, I found that they do grow the apples themselves, and then they send them off to the Kimmel Orchard, which is outside of Nebraska City, to be processed and turned into their apple cider, and they take it back from there and make it into the process. So not only are they doing the growing locally, but the processing is taking place and helping another small business um, just outside of Nebraska City, too. So yeah, that's awesome. I think it's really cool, um, their, their story, and I think this is a great product. I was really excited to find this on the shelves, because uh, you had mentioned... I said, yeah, you said we were going to do a cider Sunday, and I... I was excited. Like yeah. I was, I was really looking forward to this, and and um, you know, said that I think I'm converted. Yeah, to to the cider world. I I like that. When I was like, I'm not a big fan of pumpkin beers. You were like, I know. I think cider's the way to go in the fall. I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> who is who is this yeah. guy sitting across from me on this sofa? Yeah, it's a big sofa. I want people to know too that like we're not sharing a love seat here. We're not holding hands. No. We couldn't if Not we tried. Lack of tri- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're, we're a good 12 feet away from each other. It's a yeah. nice sectional. Yeah. it's uh, And I've got the extra like you've got the, place to lay yeah, out. you got the chaise. Really kick back. you got the lounge. Yeah. I've, legit. i got the control board and I've got, you know, other stuff. I've yeah. got excuses. Is what I've well, got. you look like you're working. That's <laughs> what it is. <laughs> well, I will say this. It's good cider. It I is. agree 100. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Um, it is beyond lived up to. Beyond, it's gone beyond my expectations. Yeah. So um, it's and it's really neat to find too. I think we're we're seeing more of these um, cideries pop up. We've got the Cerro cider that we were able to enjoy last season. Mm-hmm. Um, Glacial Till's still on our list. Yeah. To give a try to, I want to actually make it out to Ashland to get some because they have some like bourbon barrel aged ciders and some 
more experimental ciders that have won some incredible awards on top of their their wine as well. Um, but then we were also able, able to have Papa Moon, and we've got this one. And I know you've been able to have Valas. I haven't had Valas cider oh, yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's one that I'll keep an eye out for if there's any way for us to bring that on the show uh, and have that as well. If, if you're a fan of ciders in the fall, man, like, I love it. It's like it's, it's cool how many options there are. Yeah, and it's growing. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. And and like I said, with this, without being too sweet, it doesn't feel like something that's going to give you a stomach ache. It feels like a nice, crisp drink to enjoy on a day like today where it's, you know, in the mid to upper 70s. It it feels kind of like the right fit. Yeah. And, and um, you know, baseball does go into the fall. So if ciders are your fall drink and you say cheer for a team like the Phillies who are probably playoff bound, maybe headed towards are another they? World Series. Yeah. Oh. You know, hitting their stride. There you go. Yeah. You have a, a nice drink to complement your fall baseball as well. Well, I'm, I'm happy that you have a team that is succeeding and doing well. I've <laughs> got one. You know what, though? I'm a Lions fan. We got one win under our belt. Undefeated. Probably going to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. You know, if that's how things go, based on, like, the way Colorado's being treated, Lions are going to be undefeated, and I think Jared Goff's going to win the Heisman. Yeah. Did the Lions fans storm storm the field? Did you just say Goff will win the Heisman? <laughs> that was a late, a late hit. Um, yeah. <laughs> do, do I think the Lions fans will storm the did, field? Did they? I was, did they was, against the Chiefs? I was trying to make a joke, but I make think more that sense. your Jared Goff wins the <laughs> <laughs> oh, I God. feel like I feel like Lions fans storming the field against the Chiefs game one of the 2023 season would make more sense than a 2-0 team storming the field after beating an unranked 0-2 yeah. team. Yes, with that 2-0 team already being ranked. Uh, yeah, especially when it's so disrespectful to stand on that buffalo at midfield. Yeah, especially if you had no idea that your school mascot was even a buffalo because you'd never even been to a game before. Yeah. Yeah. Or that your school sponsored by First National Bank of Omaha. <laughs> or that your mascot was a, an Are American they? bison that was born in Nebraska. Do you, <laughs> do you think that First National is the one that loaned Colorado the money so that they could get Deion Sanders? Uh, they probably put up the insurance policy. Yeah. But then their boosters raised like twenty eight of the twenty nine million. They got most of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which is insane. That is but it's wild. paying it, off. They, it is paying they're off getting their money fold. back. Yeah. So well before we before we move on, we want to take a quick moment to talk about our very special show partner, the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. Longtime listeners of the show know wannabe walk ons is the official podcast of the NCBG. The Guild is a professional organization that protects the craft brewing industry in Nebraska. The Guild's main focus is to encourage folks of a legal drinking age to drink Nebraska beer through promotion, education, and events. If you're a fan of craft beer or cider like we are, you can learn more about the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild and find information on awesome beer and cider-centric events by visiting the Guild's website at nebraska.beer. Way to pivot with you those. like that? Yeah, I forgot to type cider in there. That's okay. If, anyone's, if anyone's curious, too, so these cideries are actually a part of the Nebraska Craft Brewers Guild. That's also what's really cool about them is they have these unique challenges, not to detract from talking about Colorado, but I think this is a really neat thing. And if you like the craft you know, beer and, and alcohol you know, conversation in, in the state, this is an interesting tidbit, is that the product is made more like wine, but it's distributed because you drink this more out of a can, you drink it more like a malt beverage. The distribution looks more like beer. Yeah. And so these these cideries, um, when they're looking for what membership to take part in, it actually makes more sense for them on the back end when they're looking to sell their product to be a part of the Craft Brewers Guild. So that's why you've got like uh, Soaring Wings as well as another winery that's a part of the guild. Um, you've got Max Creek, which we sampled in our very first season out of Lexington. They're a winery. Yeah. 
Uh, but they also make beer and cider. So they're a part of the guild on that front too. And there's a few other wineries that make beer um, that are a part of the guild too. And so it all is, is this really neat community that comes together to advance ways that they can really get this product because a place like James Arthur Vineyards is going to have to do some extra legwork to distribute this product the way that the state sees that alcohol. Right. Um, and they can't treat it like wine. So the guild helps them get that into stores and it allows us to be able to try it, sample it and talk about it. So yeah. pretty cool. It's neat. Pretty cool little tidbit. All right. Let's talk about this bullshit. Um, <laughs> Colorado. Colorado. Colorado beat Nebraska 36 to 14. Um, I think there's still a second left on the game clock. but Yeah, the game's not over, folks. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the comeback of the century. Um, God damn, this program in one second on the clock. Yeah. I, I want to start off, Drew, by giving credit to Colorado. Okay. Okay. Um, you know, we, we, we did our share of chirping, and yeah. we did our fair share of making fun of how small the team looked and how untalented we anticipated them to be and how much of a circus this thing is with with you know Dion being not only shown sometimes more than the players during the game but also during the commercial breaks and everything like that yeah like there's a lot going on here but at the end of the day when you look at who they brought in for an offensive coordinator who they brought in for a defensive coordinator the talent that transferred in and the fact that they've got a guy like Shador Sanders who was a highly touted recruit who went to you know uh, an HBCU to follow his dad, and then a Travis Hunter who went to HBCU. They don't lack for talent. Um, they've got great football minds. Matt Rule said it himself that Dion has succeeded at every level of football he's been at, so why is Colorado going to be any different? Yeah. So credit to that. Um, they beat us. They beat us fair and square. There was no, I don't think, anything going on outside of normal football stuff. And uh, I think Nebraska shot themselves in the foot quite a few times. Obviously, that's going to be the talking point, I think, for the week. Yeah. But I don't want to take away credit from the talent that is Colorado. And I think that if um, they stay within this program, if players come in and are able to develop, they've got some coaches there that could develop into a pretty salty team going into the Big 12, where defense isn't a huge focus, but they've got the firepower to build upon. So just want to get that out there. Congratulations to the victor goes the spoils. Fuck you. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think that's very that's very fair. Um, they they have surprised me in in both games now um, with just how well organized they are. I don't talent was never a question. It was how, how do you get all this talent to come together so quickly um, while you're trying to like operate it as a reality TV show from the outside looking yeah. in, and um, and they've managed to pull it off so far. Um, and it's just, it's been very surprising and yeah, ne- Nebraska, um, you can make the argument that Nebraska really did like hand them this game, but, but I think that if Nebraska had played mistake free, it would have been a competitive game. Yeah. You, you can't say Nebraska would have won the game had they not, you know, turned it over four times. Yeah. It would have just been a closer game and, um, and you know, outcome unknown at that point. So I think, you know, if we start diving in and we start talking about Nebraska's offense, you talk about that. that that's a great point that Nebraska did turn the ball over four times with with uh, a fifth opportunity for a fumble um, that we were fortunate enough to fall on uh, during one of those motions that was taking place. So, you know, Nebraska's offense really, really did struggle. Uh, and even when they went turnover free and mistake free, uh, they weren't able to convert in some key situations. There were some key drops by guys that you're hoping would turn on. Um, and Alex Bullock, who's, you know, taken on the scholarship uh, from the walk on 
yeah. uh, position. And then you've also got uh, Fedoni coming into his first game where you're really expecting a whole lot of action. And, you know, he had a, a crucial drop as well that, that ended a drive. And so there were there were a few moments where you thought, OK, you know, Jeff Sims is going to be the talking point. But there were also some opportunities where Nebraska could have helped out and, and made some conversions. But then on top of that, going back to Colorado's defense and, you know, they, they get the ball in these situations give it back to the offense and then the offense did something with it you know thir- those first 13 points that came with five minutes left to go in the first half that really kind of felt like the nail in the coffin real early on because you didn't think Nebraska's gonna be able to climb out of that hole offensively yeah yeah that was that was really killer um and I I marked down um one of my only notes was that when when the first 90 percent of the play goes right on a day when bad things are happening at the snap um that you have to finish those plays and so we saw that even when they were doing things right, Nebraska was still struggling to finish to make the catch. And um, and then, like you said, yeah, Colorado was able to, um, you know, to take advantage when they were given that opportunity on a day when the defense was doing everything that they could and, and needed to do and then some um, to at least keep it close and and give Nebraska an opportunity even in, into the second half to, to try to claw their way back into it and then and hope that... Um, things started to break their way, which obviously never happened. So, yeah. Did you have any, any favorite moments from the offensive performance? I mean, is there anything that you would want to celebrate? I know it's kind of tough sometimes in, in these type of games to really try and find the silver lining because Matt rule himself says there's no moral victories and there's no close losses, but was there anything that jumped out at you that you thought, Hey, there's gonna be plenty dwelling on the negative this week. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, man, you're scanning that. Paper. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking really, really hard. I mean, we still did. We still did good in the run game. I would. This is the thing. Is like, like our running backs did did really well. Um, you know, Gabe Irvin and then and Ramir uh, were in there all game. I would. I guess I would. That's the thing. Is like I would have liked to see the offensive line get a little more push against sure. this this defensive front from Colorado. I felt like they were able to get into the the backfield and. Um, make things a little uneven for us, I guess. Um, so it's like everything that, you know, everything that I look at that's like a positive, there's like this like negative tinge to it, Yeah, I guess. Um, I, I know Kemp got involved. I was actually surprised to see how many times they targeted Kemp. I thought that they were going to try to use size advantage um, against Colorado's defense. So I guess if you want to point something out, he stepped up with, um, with IGC going down for the season. Um, you know, you do need to see guys... Um, stepping up and they, and they targeted the tight ends a lot. So mm-hmm. um, Gus Johnson's favorite tight end, Bo, Bo Ricker, Ricker uh, oh my God. showed up with a couple of grabs. Gus Johnson um, announces games, <laughs> not like he's watching them, but like he's reading them off of someone trying to telegraph them to him. Like, and he's like, and I hate, I, I, I don't you I don't say this lightly. I hate Gus Johnson. <laughs> I, his his announcing and I've I've always dreamed of I wish that schools would have a, a biased like an overtly biased commentary. Not like what Greg Sharp does, you know, where you sync the radio to the game and you mm-hmm. you listen to a Nebraska broadcast. I want people like us to do the game and I want to listen to that live. Unprofessional. I, oh my, I don't care. Okay. I want it to be angry and I want it because I, I want to feel what they're, you know what I mean? Like yeah. the people who are in the environment, I want them to be as worked up as I am. Yeah. Watching Gus Johnson call Colorado games. I no longer want that because I feel like that's what it is. 
I think that he is so biased because he knows and the Fox overlords know the more hyped up Colorado is, the better it is for business. Oh, for sure. And so the, it, it's almost like that's the the second nature of the way that these games are called. Yes. Is that like, okay, we know that we got a big fish on the hook, so let's keep lifting I have, them up. I have no doubt there is an agenda there. And that is probably, I mean, I'm, it's probably not all just Gus Johnson. He's it's probably, 100% Gus Johnson. He's probably doing his job. And it's probably easier for Joel Klatt because he's a Colorado grad. But see, Joel Klatt, I'll give him credit. He wasn't as biased as Gus Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He he still said, like, I can't believe we're back. And it's so nice after, you know, playing at Colorado 20 years ago. It's cool to see them succeeding. And it's like, that's fine. Reasonable. Yeah. 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 Um, but I think Gus Johnson, like, wishes he went to Colorado <laughs> <laughs> right now. Like, I, he wishes he was he's, in the student applying, section. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Got to get those student tickets. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that's that's probably the way that we're headed uh, with the way that college athletics is going, and and um, broadcast companies having a, a very large say, not only in in things like realignment, but um, you know the the way that they want you as a viewer to experience these games and these matchups and these teams. You're just gonna have to get used to it. Yeah, it's it's a, probably gonna be a lot. Hopefully, a lot easier when Nebraska's good and we get. <laughs> Do you, we get do our you, own Gus Johnson? Do you I remember? Know. I think it was, gosh, when was it? There was a game that uh, Nebraska was in, and it was right after Les Miles' son, Ben Miles, had committed to Nebraska, and they brought Les Miles on. It was after he had left LSU, and I think before he left Kansas, but he came on as like a guest commentator for a game. Yeah. And it was a Nebraska game. He was talking about his son being recruited there, and he was just kind of in the booth. He might have even been a commentator on the game. And he was so biased towards Nebraska. It was amazing. And then he was taken off of all of Nebraska games moving forward <laughs> because of that. And then his son yeah. obviously left, you know, Nebraska and, and transferred out. But uh, I do remember that and thinking like that was that was actually kind of fun. That was kind of like, nice. Nebraska sort of touched on. He was like, yes. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. Anybody else that stood out to you on offense or anything? Yeah. You, you know, one out? of the, one of the things that I really enjoyed seeing um, throughout the game was the physicality of our wide receivers um, and, and not when they had the ball, uh, but when they were how they fit into the run scheme. I thought that that's been very successful. There were a couple of key like uh, back blocks by uh, by Marcus Washington where, you know, he turns the back and puts his hands up and just is in the way without actually throwing a block. And then if if you ever feel inclined to rewatch this game. Uh, pay attention to a couple of key blocks that Alex Bullock threw. Okay. And there's one where he literally flips Travis Hunter on his ass. Like he throws him to the ground on a block and it was beautiful. Yeah. Um, so the, the wide receivers, I really like how they're being physical in the blocking game. They're scheming um, to help seal the edges with those wide receivers and they're being very physical about it. So um, that is one of the things that I, I like seeing develop. You can see hints of how this thing is going to continue to evolve with talent and skill and time in this system. Um, and you can see hints of this could be our identity, right? We talked yeah. about that last week, like not be one dimensional, but build an identity around that. Like physical wide receivers is an identity. Yes. That's yeah. When we saw, I saw um, Bonner through a nice block too. He he came around um, on on a run play and, and um sealed off the edge and helped helped gain some yards and so yeah that i mean that's that's what they talked about right like that was the stuff that they that they wanted to be um and we've been hearing that for a few years now right about like sure. how we want to have physical blockers on the edge and at receiver um 
so yeah that would be that would be a wonderful identity it's just now it's just <laughs> ironing things out i guess you could say nicely yeah. and um and seeing what what this offense can look like when they're able to sustain drives sure um and that I, that was one of my biggest takeaways from this game was like i i i've complained a lot about um the lack of identity from this offense but it's I think that it's it's hard to even begin to judge it because of the mistakes. Yeah, um, that's a great point. And the and and that the mistakes that are being made shouldn't shouldn't uh, influence maybe my opinion on 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 what this offense is supposed to be. Like you can you can definitely be frustrated and 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 make complaints about like well they're not you know not just not executing but like maybe something with the coaching needs to change as far as you know, how they're preparing guys and, and handling um, mistakes in game or whatever. But, um, yeah, I've just, I've just been thinking about that a lot. Like, I've kind of been throwing shade at maybe some of the play calling and, and identity stuff. But it's still it's still so early. Yeah, I mean, I, I can understand. And, again, this, this goes back, you know, the 20 years of how patient Husker fans have been and how much they've given the program and, in both time and a monetary investment and, and those types of things, you know, they're going to be packed in the stadium for Matt rules first home game. We're going to turn out, we're going to be loud. You and I are going to be there. I mean, it's one of those things where even with what just happened, you know, we give ourselves seven days to reset and then we show up because we consider ourselves the greatest fans in college sports. Or we're just goldfish. Yeah. I mean, either way, Ted Lasso was a great show, right? Did you watch Ted Lasso? No, I have not. Oh, well the goldfish, they talk about being a goldfish in that too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Nice. So good reference. Great reference. You know, I, I know that's just a, it's <laughs> a known reference. It's not Ted Lasso doesn't own that, but he, you know. he's not the first one to discover the goldfish memory. No. Okay. No, no. I'm sure that's like a Marcus Gladwell argument or something like that too. Yeah. Uh, not Marcus, Malcolm, excuse me. Malcolm Gladwell. Malcolm Gladwell. You know Malcolm Gladwell? Is he a tipping point guy? Yeah. 10,000 hours, that, that whole oh, okay. thing. Yeah. yeah. He writes about all those kind of, yeah. you know, s- social phenomenon. Yeah. That sort of thing. Okay. Cool. Anyways. Um, a lot of frustration from people yep. and it's understandable. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm right in line with you though, with like, there's going to be a lot of Satterfield talk and it's going to be early. And, and it, I think it stems very easily from like South Carolina didn't want him. They were fans were happy to see him go. And now he's here at Nebraska and he's doing the same damn thing. And it's like, well, pump your brakes because we haven't seen the baseline yet. We haven't seen the offense operate in, you know, kind of their, their, I don't know, their status quo. We've, yeah. we've seen them play from behind and full of mistakes. And I like what you said that it maybe it's more of a preparation thing or making these guys feel comfortable in the system, but you can't argue the lack of an identity when you have, turn the ball over four times and then you're playing from behind against a high-powered team. Your your run scheme is not designed to get you caught up three touchdowns in a quarter and a half, right? Yeah. You're trying to take eight minutes off the clock every time you touch the ball. The frustration comes when it's like, when you get away from that, when you see it clearly working before um, the accidents start happening. But they've been happening too early they, for, for us to be able to say, yeah. where's our identity? It's like our yeah. identity right now is we fumble the ball a lot or we throw interceptions. Like we are the worst school in college football right now. We have, we have the turnovers. most turnovers, yeah. But when we talk about the defense, we lead the nation in sacks. Yeah. So it is a... <laughs> Very up and down. It is a tale of two cities. Yeah. Which again will lead to frustration because then you're looking at like the other side of the ball and you're like, how are these guys, 
how did they flip this side? And then I guess they didn't really flip defense. Their defense was actually pretty good. Um, but, you know, how do they have these guys so ready to go? And how do they do something like find a pass rush, which is something we've been pining for for a very long time? Um, how do they do that so quickly? And then, you know, are we really going to waste an entire year of this defense with an offense that just can't figure it out? Um, but again, like you're two games into installing a system with all new coaches and all new players. So, yes, but <laughs> the the issue of the turnovers, these self-inflicted wounds has nothing to do with that. You know what I mean? Like that is its own entity. And so it's 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 not even fair to say we're wasting this year because of this offense. It's like we're not wasting the year because of this offense. We're wasting this year because one player is having issues. And you are the coaching staff that praises accountability. So I think it's going to be a put up or shut up moment where if this continues, how quickly does accountability come? Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, well, I don't know. Sims has an ankle injury. He's got a high ankle sprain. So that could come into play as far as like going to Some your number, forced number accountability. two guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and honestly, like, I mean, I, you don't want, you never want anybody to be injured at all or, you know, miss time because of injury. Um, but looking at it, you could say like, okay, this is this might be, in some ways, best case scenario because Matt Rule doesn't have to actually make a decision. He doesn't have to bench his guy, um, so he doesn't have to do that. the The psychological damage maybe of of benching Sims. He can say, look, you're hurt. You need a week, two weeks, whatever to season to to get get your ankle right. Um, take the opportunity to to watch the game. Um, to to be a coach on the sidelines, to to be that single digit guy on the sidelines, to to bring up your team, to bring up um, the the number two quarterback who's starting in your place, and then give Nebraska fans and give Nebraska coaches and and other players an opportunity to see what this offense looks like with the number two guy, um, whether that's Harburg or Purdy, and it, as of right now, it looks like maybe Harburg. Yeah. Um. And so, uh, and then it's a it's a good good opportunity for Harburg to seize control. Great opportunity. If, yeah. um, you know, if he's able to play really well, um, to at least, at least when, if and when Sims gets healthy, to make your coaches make a choice. Sure. When it, when it comes to, say, like, the Michigan game. Yeah. Um, well, I, I think a lot of talk is going to be had, like I said, this week about the offense, so I don't want to sit and dwell on it. Um, I don't, I don't ever really feel like sitting and dwelling on anything when it comes to Husker athletics. It's, it's nice to kind of just try and keep momentum moving forward because I feel like that's a harder boulder to keep moving up the hill. Yeah. Um, but man, feel like Sisyphus a little bit where that boulder just keeps rolling (laughs) back down. Uh, but let's talk about the defense. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about the bright spot and you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get this talking point out of the way. The defense gave up 36 points, you know, Sanders still got what he got, um, he still had a, a great day. He still looked like an incredible quarterback. Um, like you mentioned, Colorado's uh, skill positions are fast. They're talented. They're good. But I don't think that that is the actual story of the day. The story of the day for Nebraska's defense is they pitched as great of a game as they could. Yeah. Um, there was just a, a rough situation out there for them with with starting field position. I bet you got some numbers on that. Um, yeah, not on starting field position, but uh, what they did with Sanders in the first half, um, he only had 134 passing yards in that first half. His 30-yard touchdown pass came immediately following Nebraska's second turnover, which was the one that made it 10 nothing. And so this was one of those things where like, they kept it within two scores 
Um, and they really did slow down Colorado's offense to a point where it was like this is if they were they were executing their game plan yeah um to to perfection um it's just that they had their backs up against the wall too often um so 250 of of Sanders passing yards came in the second half uh about 120 of those about half of his second half passing yards came on three third down plays alone yeah um and so and that was where you know I've at least on one play, I remember Nebraska just selling out, um, which on the blitz, which which you is have to, which is yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, it's it's fine. I'm not. I'm not. Um, I don't knock the play call or anything like that. But they by the end of that game, like the score, the score got out of hand um, because it it just felt like they were gassed. Yeah. Um, and they did start to put in their second string guys. They were they were given. Um, other guys snaps there too towards the end, so you weren't necessarily seeing Colorado going up against, um, you know, the the first string defense. But they were they were gassed. Um, Tony White asks a lot of these guys. The the front seven are um, they're blitzing a lot. They're running a lot. Um, linebackers are trying to keep up with a guy like Dylan Edwards or these uh, or like Weaver um, and Horn and, and Hunter. And, um, same with our secondary man. Like you're 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 asking these guys to you know run 40 yards deep just to to cover in one-on-one situations and and try to you know stay glued to the hips of these receivers while the rest of the defense is blitzing and so that's really hard to keep up with um on a good day yeah you know when when the game is competitive but like I feel like when things get out of hand um I'm not saying Nebraska's defense like gave up or, or mentally checked out but I still feel like it's it's hard to continue to give a hundred percent effort when the game is out of hand. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it never felt like one of those things. Like, come on, guy! Like, it was one of those things. Yeah. As you're watching, you're like, well, I can't do any better. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And and you you give your all. They fought till the end of the game. The offense yeah. fought to the end of the game too. You know, Harburg yeah. had a nice. Not to discredit that, Harburg had a nice touchdown pass to Fedoni. It was a great drive down the field. One of those things that you're like, okay, let's build on this morale and momentum yeah. moving into next week, especially when Harburg's going to come in for the start, not to detract from the defense. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those games where the defense, you look at that and you go, man, we were imposing our will. We had an identity. This three three five is for real. That's, that's another thing that yeah. that two weeks in a row you're looking at and going, wow, Tony White is a get and do whatever we got to do to hang on to him because – I'm excited to see this going to Big Ten play because I never thought that this was going to be as effective uh, against the run, and it is. It is lights out. It is so much fun to watch, and then the pass rush they're able to create. Yeah, yeah. They had eight sacks against Colorado, like you said. They had they have the most sacks, you know, in in the nation after two games. That's so many Big Macs. Um, <laughs> so many big, and it's coming from it's coming from all over. Yeah. Um, you know, last year it was man. I really hope like O'Shawn Mathis and Garrett Nelson. Um, you know, have a big season and I hope they, but now it's, it's, it's collective. It's this whole defense and the scheme and, um, the way that they're disguising their blitzes and, and, and getting after, um, quarterbacks, you know, and dominating at the line of scrimmage. And so, um, and that's something that's sustainable. You're not relying on just one or two guys to, to hopefully stay healthy or, you know, hopefully be tuned in every single game. Um, this definitely feels like something that's sustainable. And even though it's been, you know, two losses out of the gates. You're you're going up against um, Minnesota, who is a very, you know, a very established program, even if it was a, a new-ish offense. And then you're going up against Colorado, who's obviously shown that they're a very explosive offense. 
Um, and you've been able to dictate the game through large parts of play mm-hmm. um, with, with so many things stacked against you. Um, there's, there's a lot to, to be excited about in that regard. And so if you're going to tune into any more Nebraska games the rest of the year, at least tune in for that. Like at least take the time to appreciate what, what you're seeing from the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Um, as well as like, you know, get excited about what it's going to look like going forward. Cause this is where they, this is their starting point. Right. You know, um, it, it's, it's exciting to think. And then, um, you know, individual performances, like we saw Cam Lenhart oh come gosh. in, right. He was filling in for Ty Robinson, who was out for the first half and just what, I think he had a couple of sacks and, and was just, I mean, his name was getting called left and right. He was yeah. just living in the backfield. Um, and that's a, that's a true freshman right there. And so, um, you know, and we saw like, I think like Riley Van Poppel was another freshman who, yep, he who got, got a sack. after it yep. and, um, um, some other some other young guys who've been in maybe in the program for a while but haven't had their their day in the sun who who were able to show up and get their name called and and um, you know put a sack or a tackle for a loss on the stat sheet and so um, yeah man they're 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 developing a lot of guys right now before our eyes yeah. at a very rapid pace on this defense yeah I also think Luke Reimer needs to be called out he yeah. had a great game uh, yesterday got a couple of sacks in there as well. Put a lot of pressure in. Uh, Nash Hutmacher had another great game. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's really filling that nose tackle position well. I think that uh, Travis Knighton was an excellent hire. He clearly knows how to coach these guys to get them to play. Yeah. My my favorite thing that that Nebraska was doing against this Colorado um, offense was when they would just rush three and they were able to get pressure with rushing three and dropping eight. So you're you know you're you're forcing Sanders to get out of the pocket. You're applying pressure, and he's got nowhere to throw. So you either have these short, no-gain runs where he's just running out of bounds, dumping off the ball, or you're able to get a sack because of the coverage. I mean, it's so intelligent when you know the tendencies of your opponent, how versatile this defense is. And I wasn't a believer. I'll admit it right out of the gate. I wasn't sure that it was going to be as efficient as it is. And now I'm just like, like you said, it's worth tuning in for just to watch this defense go out there and play fast and play aggressive and it's so fun it is a fun defense really to watch is, yeah so i'm i'm having a great time and it was so nice to see them it, if it only lasted for a half to see them kind of impose their identity on colorado's offense and change the shape of this game and you just think man i can see the vision right i can see what happens when you get a serviceable offense in here that it doesn't have to be an offensive juggernaut it has to be an efficient team. If they're a team that can run four yards to five yards per carry and just move the chains and move the chains, then when the defense is on the field, I mean, it, it becomes this opportunity to just create chaos and havoc, mm-hmm. um, but then also just to overimpose on these teams. So, like, I get the vision, I see the vision, and and I'm invested in what is coming. It's just like, man, if the defense can do this now, why can't the offense? Yeah. Right. Why is that? Why is that so hard when this is so good? <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know. I'm I'm having so much fun watching this defense, and like uh, I I don't think that you're you're hearing a lot of like how long is the defense going to put up with this? They're not going. They're not going to give up on their team. They're not. I, don't, I hate that not, narrative. Yeah, I hate that argument where anything. it's like no, they're going to go out there because if anything, they're going to earn their bread. They're going to be the storyline for Nebraska. They're going to be the focus. Yeah. Right? Like if, if anything else, it's almost like a badge of honor. Like we're the reason that this team is in the fight until the offense catches up to us. That might be now that might be next year, but we're not going to stop 
just because the other side of the ball isn't great. Yeah, and Tony White talked about in the offseason how he's like, I, I want my defense to go out there and they're not going to look at the scoreboard. And you're seeing that. Like, they don't care if there's a zero next to Nebraska, you know, or a 30 or a 100 or whatever. Like, they don't care what the opponent has. Like, they're going out there and they're giving it their all, like, every single drive. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's that's one of those things where it's like you've, you've heard the, the coaches talk and the players are living out um, what those coaches were saying they wanted to see. Yeah. So... Well, you know, the the final aspect of the game that we tend to talk about uh, and that uh, we're not any more special than anyone else, we everyone talks <laughs> about this, is special teams. Um, kind of non-existent on both sides of the ball. Yeah, there wasn't really much. I Just underwhelming was my word for yeah. it. Um, I, what was up with Bushini? Like, there was not a whole lot of... Not a lot of boom. He left his boom at no. home. Yeah. Yeah, so. it, it was a lot of Brian Mushini. Like, you're just mushing it down the field. <laughs> like... There were some key opportunities where I, I feel like he was trying to finesse a little too much or maybe try and put some special spin on it or try and like hit the perfect spiral. And it was like, man, just kick the shit out of the yeah, ball. Yeah. Like just flip the put field. It, put it in that thin air and watch it I, go. I think Colorado started either at their own 49 or our 49 was their average. Like it was not great field position for Nebraska's defense. Colorado was in great spot. And Nebraska started like around their 2025 was their average, something yeah. like that. So we we didn't do a great job of flipping flipping the field on special teams. Um, Colorado had their kickoff game figured out. They probably scouted Nebraska and saw they're going to be aggressive, so we're just going to boom the shit out of it. Yeah. Uh, and even when we had a penalty on Shador Sanders, the personal foul where it was 15 yards back, they still were able to get a touchback on it. You're thinking, man, th- th- there's got to be consistency on the execution on that, but whether that was Colorado or the lack of, of uh, execution on Nebraska's side, you could really see from one week to the other how – drastic that really changes kind of the hope of the game yeah yeah i could see that mm-hmm. um could you know. could you see that could yeah you see that because i felt it it, it was felt it in my heart <laughs> did you in my bones <laughs> and then and then for alvano to get a doink he doinked it uh yeah that's that was, heartbreaking that was tough that's a long kick though was, wasn't it close to a 50 yarder it was like 49 yards. i don't so think it was that far no no, I think oh. it was like 42. Oh, okay. But still, I mean, it wasn't a bad kick. He he was trying to draw it in, um, and it just didn't cut back hard enough and just doinked. And I thought he caught it on the left side of the right post. I thought he might get mm-hmm. some help, yeah. get a little love on it, put enough spin on it, and it just it just fell flat. But I think when it hit the post, it was still climbing. Like, he's got the leg. Oh, yeah. He's going to dial it in. I have nothing but confidence in him. Yeah, that's his first first kick on the road in a hostile environment. No, he made a he right. made a field goal against Minnesota on the road, but and it said in a hostile environment. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he has a nice kick That's... there, eh? <laughs> oh, way to right. put way to put that one through the pipes. <laughs> We're proud of you, Trist. Oh, so, man. yeah, yep. you know that was a that was a rough game, uh, but like like you said and like I said at the top, like already moving on, yep. onward and upward. Colorado is a is a is a phenomenon it's a freak thing right now and it's like the the less i dwell on it the better i feel yeah yep i'm just yeah now that we're done playing with them like they are they're a program that's gonna occur in my rear view mirror yeah um you know i'll still i guess check i mean i, I don't have an option like if i'm watching a college <laughs> football game they're gonna fucking cut you know colorado just fucking you heard that they moved the location of big noon kickoff right uh-uh so College game day is going to be at 
Colorado versus CSU. Jesus. Okay. Yeah. Big noon kickoff, the morning show mm-hmm. before kickoff was meant to be at Illinois Penn State. Okay. Because that's the big noon kickoff game. Yeah. They're doing it in Colorado. <laughs> oh, my God. So they're going to have both shows in Colorado? I think so. I think. Maybe someone's fucking with me when I heard that, but I'm pretty sure that's a real thing. I could. I mean, I could see it. It's. I mean, that's re- yeah. keep, keep the party going that's, for as long as it lasts. Saying. Just yeah, they're, milk they're gonna, this thing dry. They're going to rake in some coin. And, Which, uh, what should be nice, and, and here's what I hope. You know, this game was rough, but potentially when Colorado comes to Nebraska next season, Matt Rule's team you know, is where it needs to be. And Colorado's team uh, is not. (laughs) (laughs) Dion will have taken that team to another, another locale. You think so? With game day and big new case name. I don't know. I don't know. You've got, you've got a hundred dollars fun money. Okay. I'm going to say Dion is at Colorado for two and a half years as your over under. I think under, I think he's there for two years. Okay, I think this year, and then I think he sticks. Or maybe I think he sticks around for one more year after this, because I don't think they're gonna. They're not gonna like go undefeated or anything like that. They're gonna ride, um, but I think I think he'll go two years. Any then, any guesses what school you think he might uh, be a fit at next? A and M. We'll probably think Texas throw A&M? a fuckload of money at him. Uh, well, and then if that were the case, then one year, because I think Jimbo Fisher's probably done. I could see that. I could see him going back down to like if. Um, Miami wanted him or somebody down in Florida. What about Florida? Florida. Yeah. I mean, Napier took Graham Mertz in the transfer portal. <laughs> so, yeah. There's whew, there's a chance yeah. that that Florida gig might be open too. Yep. FSU's, you know, back kind of in rhythm. So, F- yeah, I was FSU set. I think Norville is their coach and they're fine. He's doing a good right job now. Yeah. So, uh, Clemson might. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> Can you imagine? Go from Dabo Sweeney to, to Deion Sanders. You know, that is two very different points of view on how to use the transfer portal, how to use NIL. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Clemson was like, we need to get the polar opposite mm-hmm. of, of. We've seen, we've seen programs try that, try to get on that yo-yo and <laughs> yeah. just find the opposite coach. I think, I think a Dion at a, at a school like a Clemson that's had some recent success, that could be a very be a, dangerous thing. Yeah, Can you imagine the circle jerk that would be in the media of like, College game day, big noon kickoff. <laughs> they like, would just start new. Yeah, it would just. New they would, he'd have his own programs. channel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it'll it'll sure be fun when Colorado comes to Nebraska next year. I think there's going to yeah. be. There, if anything, that's also great. Is this kind of renewed a rivalry? Yeah. Where it was like two different clashing personality types in Matt Rulin and Deion Sanders, um, and Nebraska fans, you know, kind of got a taste. And I and I think it's okay. You know, we're fine. We'll survive. Yeah. Bad, next, guy, bad guys always win the first act, okay. and you know, and then the second act, the good guy comes comes back and wins. Right? Look, I I never thought Dion was the bad guy. <laughs> I didn't say Dion's a bad guy. Colorado, okay, Colorado yeah. is definitely the bad guy. I honestly, but I, personally, I have nothing. I have nothing against Dion Sanders. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I would not play for him. I wouldn't play for like. I wouldn't play for him because I just, and I and I don't like the gutting a program. Like I don't like that approach. Yeah. Um. I, it just feels cold hearted. Um, but I'm also not a super successful athlete and coach. Like, it's like, you don't have to worry about, <laughs> uh, yeah, like, because my, because my personality just doesn't jive with that shit. Like, yeah. um, and so and if, if he had gone to a program that I kind of like, a, like an underdog program, um, that I didn't fucking hate, 
I would probably be, I would not only be fascinated by it, but I would probably be, you know, interested in the success. Like, yeah. I would want to see that. It's, I would want to see him as an underdog, because I, I think yeah. that's what he had at Jackson State. Like, he was, he had the underdog aspect of it, of, of coaching at a historically black college. Like, that's a, that's something, and, and bringing in recruits, like, stealing top recruits from major programs. Like, that was incredible to see. Um, and it was exciting there, and, and bringing attention to um, Jackson State the way he did, I was, I was, it was perfectly fine with it. Yeah. He didn't rub me the wrong way, but I think the fact that it's Colorado, um, and then, and then just the, the fact that like, yeah, the national media is just like fucking falling over themselves to, yeah. to, um, be a part of it. All of it just makes it like, ugh, I don't know. I don't like it anymore. I had a, I had a moment of, of sincere and severe honesty. My wife was like, how are you doing? You okay? After the game. And yeah. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I had a good laugh in the car on the drive. I guess for those who didn't know, we recorded a, an instant reaction with the Husker Fan Podcast at yeah. the Herdat Sports Bar, which was a great a way lot to, of, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, good, good cathartic. Experience. Yeah, Justin and yeah. Mike were awesome to welcome us onto that show for their live show. And um, on the way there, I had a good laugh watching the game. And then we got there, and you know, and Huskers are going through their final drive, and um, you know, it was it was nice. And then my wife asked me last night, she's like, "How are you feeling after that?" And I go, "To be honest, like the only thing that hurts is I'm just jealous." Like, I just, I want the, the success that yeah. Colorado's having. Mm-hmm. And it's nothing more than that. Like, I just wish this was happening to us. Yeah. I, I wish I wish we had the immediate, but I'm also willing to be patient. And I believe the things I say that, like, I'm seeing evidence of what Rule says he wants to build. And I'm seeing that now, but I can't expect to have that all right now. It's got to be puzzle pieces. The way that he goes about building this. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, which I think we've both been on board with in the off season. It, it's... I'm not I'm not anti rule by any means. Like I'm still 100% bought into it. It just makes it harder to be patient when you see right, um, especially a rival and doing when, what they're doing. And when we've been we've been patient as a fan base, and it's not like a fan base that comes and goes as we please, mm-hmm. right? Like I paid $200 to go see Ohio State play Nebraska at home in Mike Riley's final season. Like I was there, right before tickets were $10. Like I was all hyped, for, like. We've yeah. been we've been investing, right? Like we've been giving it at all. We we've been doing a podcast for the past three <laughs> years, and they yeah. haven't been great years as far as the football goes. So like, the investment is there, and so I understand fans who are frustrated, and I'm part of that. But I also am like, okay, this is no longer that twenty years. This started year one right now. Yeah. Um. And and it's just it's tough, and so I understand it on both sides. But I, I'm still confident that some of the things that I'm seeing, I'm like, okay, we didn't see that before. There's growth. Um, but I mean, I'm not going to lie, being jealous, seeing a team just get off the ground and get up and running. Um, it ain't fun. No, but, no. uh, but seeing the three, three, five defense sure is. Yeah. And we have that to look forward to. We sure do. Yeah. Well, I think we need to grab another cider hundred percent and then, uh, talk about that other cider and then we'll talk about Nebraska's next opponent. How's that sound? Awesome. Sounds All right. right. We're going to take a quick little break. Uh, but, uh, for us, it'll be a little bit for you guys. It'll be like friggin' immediate. So we're back with a second cider, and this one is Double Play from Curveball. This is a rosé cider. Uh, Drew, initial sips, initial thoughts. What are you thinking on this one? Oh, yeah. this is. Not, I, just, I literally just took my I initial know, I noticed, sip. Oh, yeah. I noticed that. Yeah, so you got my, my oh, yeah, my, my real reaction. Um, 
Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. This one has the Concord grape wine that they add to their, uh, the Grand Slam that we just had. And um, this is incredible. It, it, um, it mellows out a little bit of the tartness and the dryness for me. And um, it just gives a, a, a new interesting note to kind of yeah. taste. Uh, it, it doesn't give an overwhelming grape or winey flavor. It just adds another layer of kind of a fruitiness, a fruity sweetness without being overly sweet. Yeah. I like I like that thought that it's mm-hmm. it it does take away from some of the tartness that you get from the initial but man none of these are heavy none of these are you know like sickly sweet yeah. ciders these are just all nice crisp clean easy drinkers and uh, it has a really pretty pale rosé color yeah uh, yeah just just I a love nice. this one this one's really good yeah yeah awesome I'm glad you're a fan. Is is cider something that your wife likes as well? Like, is that something that you guys? I don't know. I don't talk to her. <laughs> um, <laughs> she does enjoy ciders. Yeah, yeah. She drinks a lot of beer. She used to drink a lot more wine. Um, that was kind of her thing, but she has converted. Um, and yeah, so she, yeah, ciders are are definitely up her alley. Nice. Yeah. So. Well, you're welcome to take some home if you would like, uh, because I had to buy two six packs because they didn't sell them in, uh, in like fours or anything like that. So, if, okay. if you would do me the favor, I'll say of no to yeah. taking a few. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'll do you the favor. Yeah. <laughs> well, it helps me out. Clears clears out space for the next uh, the next beer that we cover, awesome. uh, whatever that happens to be. I'm not sure. I mean, have. I mean, we have an idea, but I'm yeah. not sure. Okay. And I don't want to do back to back ciders because like the ciders are fun and I want to spread them out. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe hang on to them for after a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the remember the year that we talked about um, doing hard hard liquor after a loss, like Nebraska. We would have been through. <laughs> we would have been we would have been running laps. We, yeah, <laughs> we just had to have so many bottles from like the three play, places in Nebraska that make whiskey. That would have been good for them, bad yeah. for us. <laughs> yeah, real bad for us. Even worse for our wives who have to deal with us. Yeah, they got to deal with our shenanigans. Not only do they have to deal with us on a Saturday, then they got to follow that up with us on a Sunday. (laughs) No, honey, it's for the podcast. (laughs) Well, I think it's time for us to talk about the future, uh, the next uh, six six days or so, uh, as we get to sit and think and pontificate about uh, the next matchup, which takes place on September 16th against the Northern Illinois Huskies, taking place in Memorial Stadium. It is Matt Rule's first home game uh and it is a uh, a fun matchup it's going to take place under the lights it's going to be on fs1 yeah. at six o'clock you and i will both be in attendance Woo. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one um i think it's going to be a legitimate get right game yeah uh against an opponent that is not one that can be overlooked correct it's one that you should win uh i don't think anyone's going to argue against it except maybe a few niu fans uh, and the NIU team's going to oh, show so up. Their coaches and players might have yeah, something to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that that kind of goes without saying. You know, <laughs> you play to win the game. <laughs> but some I, people play for the million dollar payout. Yeah, yeah. I've never been someone who could have played for the million dollar payout, <laughs> uh, nor to play to win the game. So I just I just show up and I yell loud. Yeah, and yeah. make a podcast. And I make a podcast. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. It's going to be a fun environment. It's going to be a, a great time under the lights. Um, you know, I don't think I've been to a home game since they've done the uh, the third to fourth quarter thing where they like shut off all the lights and everything goes oh, red. Yeah, yeah, same. I, I haven't yeah. done that. So not a night game anyway. Yeah. yeah, it's a, yeah. 
Well, they can't really shut off all the lights if it's an 11 a.m. game. Turn them on just to shut them off again. <laughs> well, those lights are sure bright. That's the sun. <laughs> if there, if you know what, if Trev Alberts wants to stick around as AD, he needs to find a way to turn off the sun. Well, you know what? Global warming will take care of that soon enough. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Where everything's going to be shut off. Uh, oh, that's the only thing that can end our sellout streak and our misery. Yeah. <laughs> it, the sun will consume us all. So Nebraska's offense going up against this Northern Illinois defense. Drew, what are some of your first thoughts that come to mind? What do you want to see from Nebraska going into this game? Um, let me turn over my notes because I'm on the wrong one. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Call the see. alert the presses. Did you say Nebraska's defense? I don't know. What do you want to talk about first? All right. Well, let's talk about Nebraska. Did you say? I don't know. I said Nebraska's offense okay. against NIU's defense. But if you want to talk the other way, we can. No, that's fine. That's what it, I, I have Nebraska's offense versus NIU defense. And then my yeah, first, that's what I just, oh my God. Which is <laughs> my first note is about defensive pressure. When we, <laughs> I confused myself. When we were on the Husker fan podcast, they were like, so tell us, sh- how should people listen to your show? Can they bounce around? And we were like, no, you got to listen to the whole thing. Well, we lied. <laughs> you, can, you can just skip a doodle to wherever you want. and It's all just a train wreck. It is. Um, I want to see I want to see our offensive line contain Northern Illinois defensive front. Cool. Okay, that's where that's where I want to start. Um, they do a good job of getting pressure from their line. Um, they've got a they've got a few key guys up front that are able to get after the quarterback and create sacks. Um, whoever's back there for us um, is going to be under pressure at least at some point. Probably. I just want to see our offensive line do a good job of protecting that guy. Yeah. So that way they can make good decisions um, without being under duress. Sure. Yeah. In in the games that I did watch Northern Illinois play, um, I really like their lateral speed on the defensive line. They are able to really contain in, uh, on the edge. Yeah, their edge is where it's at. Yeah, uh, that's, that's definitely where they make their hay. They're going to apply pressure from there. The center of their defensive line um, can still use some development, and I think that Nebraska's offensive line, the, the strength is on that interior of our offensive line. And then when you look at the way that our wide receivers have been blocking physically, I kind of like this matchup as, again, this is a get-right game where you can build and establish an identity of being a powerful run team that likes to contain the edges against a team that wants to expose you on the edge. Yeah. So I, I like this as an opportunity for Nebraska to really show up and show out in a way that they've showed promise against Minnesota and Colorado and continue to stick to that horse and keep running that race. Yeah, and I think that um, Northern Illinois has shown that they're susceptible to the quarterback run, and I have uh, I've been outspoken and kind of like not leaning on that, but yeah. I think that it's definitely there. And so if, if somebody like if Harburg gets the gets the nod as the starter, um, I think this is a good game to. For, for him to to be the guy to hand the ball off, but then also in, in passing situations um, or even in a few designed plays to have him run the ball against these guys, I think that, that that's a good place to um, pick up some yardage and, and keep the chains moving. What I, what I do like about the potential of Harburg being the starter for this game with Jeff Sims out injured um, is I think Harburg does need to develop in live reps in the passing game. We saw some success with that at the end of the Colorado game where he did throw uh, his first touchdown pass to Travis, or to, excuse me, to pa- uh, <laughs> to Fedoni is what I'm trying to say, to Thomas Fedoni. Patrick Fedoni. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. This cider apparently is 17% because they just dumped wine into it. 
It's not. It's four and a half. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even Unless look. Unless they're lying. I oh, it's 45. Oh, it's 45% <laughs> alcohol. There is no burn, guys. Yeah. This is this is the stuff. You want bang for your buck. Yeah. It was only $100 a can. <laughs> Makes sense now why. No, uh, I, I think Harburg could use some additional development uh, and some live reps in the passing game. And so I like the use of the quarterback run as a way to rebuild some confidence and find a comfort spot where, okay, let's make him uncomfortable, but now let's make him comfortable again with that quarterback run um, and, and using that run game to kind of be the crutch that helps him turn to. So that way, uh, when we do need him to pass, you know, he's feeling com- comfortable and confident in that game. So yeah. um, we saw it at the end of the Colorado game when it was kind of in garbage time, nothing time. But I think it still counts. You're still going against a, a live defense, live reps. Colorado wants to be um, shutting you out. They're, they have, you know, uh, that on the line, and Nebraska's trying to score. So I don't think that it's, you know, a, a waste to to call that a success for Harburg as, as a as a second-string uh, guy. So uh, I'm spiraling here because I'm still embarrassed about calling him Patrick Fedoni. <laughs> and, uh, but, I, but I do like the idea of Harburg getting live reps in a get-right game where he can work on his passing but also use his run ability because I think he's a great runner. I think he is too, and I'm and I'm not uncomfortable with him as a starter like I don't I'm not like oof man like and it's not because of it's not because of Jeff Sims and like what he's shown us so far um, early in the season so much as it is like you know Harburg's been around we know he's athletic um, they've, they've talked about trying to get him on the field any way they can we've seen him as a receiver already this yep. year um, he's a he's more than capable as an as an athlete um, and but his, his his position is quarterback for a reason and so I feel I feel good about him, um, you know, starting this game. I think that it would have been a lot more sketch if if it was like you know game one or you know against Minnesota or, or Colorado on the road. Um, but this is at home. This is against um, you know Northern Illinois, who who's not they're just not going to roll over and die, right? Like they're not nobody. Um, but it's still a game where you can at least feel comfortable, like you know, putting a lot on on Harburg's plate. And letting him run the offense as it's meant to be, um, and and seeing what he has to offer, um, and and giving him a chance to to be the guy. Yeah, I think what would be neat too is is not only are you giving a guy like Harburg the opportunity to be the guy, but also let's get some freshmen involved that we're going to need down the road uh, for depth at the wide receiver core. Let's start seeing our Jalen Lloyd's, and let's start seeing Malachi Coleman, and let's start seeing those guys you know put in the work during the week to be able to be called upon. Uh, on Saturday, I'd, I'd like to see because that's another area where I think that you can expose Northern Illinois is in that secondary. Uh, once you get past their front seven, I, I think that there's a lot to be had. And Boston College exposed a lot of that too when they were coming back from behind. And, and Boston College was on their second string quarterback. He was forced out of the pocket quite a bit because of the pressure uh, NIU was able to apply. But he was able to find the soft spots in that secondary uh, and deliver the ball to them and, and lead them back down. I think it was like they had to come from behind to force overtime, and, and it wound up being like a 21-21 game when they weren't able to put points on the board at all. Yeah. Well, he just started slinging it, and they were finding the soft spot. So I think Nebraska can do the same, and this might be one of those games where you let the freshmen start to try and figure things out as well and an opportunity to develop. It doesn't have to be right away, but I would sure love a game where we're putting in our secondary offense. Like that would feel like a, a moral victory within an actual win. Yeah, yeah, that would be a, a big get for us. Um, and I think that you will see um, a lot of distribution 
right? Because if if you're if Harburg is is starting this game, if Jeff Sims is already dinged up, your offense has had its struggles. The last thing that you want to do is lose Harburg, right? By by leaning on him, designing runs for him. Um, so I think he's going to have the green light. I think if if things break down. Um, and he sees that running lane available and, and guys are covered, he can take off. I don't think the coaches are going to ask him to limit himself within the game, but I don't think they're going to call a game where he's seeing double-digit carries by design. And so, um, yeah, so he's going to have to he's going to have to find guys. And, and we've seen our defense rotate, you know, young guys and, and um, develop them. Um, I think we're going to start seeing that out of our offense too. I think that'd be great. Yeah, I, that's that's what Matt. I think that's what Matt Rule wants to do, right? That's his yeah. design. I mean, that's so. So that's that's the argument, right? When you hear Matt Rule talking about like, do we win in in year one under uh, Matt Rule's you know staff, or do we win in year three? The the reason that Matt Rule tends to win in year three is because he focuses on the young guys. He's trying to get them playtime and get them developed. So by the time that they are in their third year, their juniors, their seniors, what have you they're ready to go and they're fully developed players ready for the next level. And, and so he doesn't tend to play an older team. And and that's why, you know, when he has these conversations with the Luke Reimers and the Nick Heinrichs where he's like, you know, I don't tend to play your kind of guys as much. Uh, and they're like, well, we want to win. Yeah. And so he's like, well, it's on the players, uh, you know, to, to get that done. And the offense hasn't held up that end of the bargain as the players, but the defense sure has. And so, um, you know, I'm not quite sure where I was going with this. No, point, that's okay. That's but, a that's a hard balance to strike because Nebraska has always been like when when you put the two teams on the field, Nebraska has generally been the more talented team. Yeah, they just haven't lived up to that talent. I, I and guess, he's never stepped into that situation before. Yeah, what 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 I was trying to say is like it'd be good for the offense to start to develop in that sense, right? Like, mm-hmm. let's start to see the seeds of the future. You've got four games plus a potential bowl game. God willing, you know, that that would happen. I don't know if it will this year or not, but I don't think that matters at this point, especially if you're focused on developing these younger guys, yeah. you know, during the season and taking advantage of those four games and maybe not even taking advantage. If these are the guys that start to show out and, and earn their time on the field, go let them do that. And these are the kind of games where you can start to see the philosophy come through. Um, the other thing I want to see is I want to see Satterfield's baseline. I want to start to see what is our status quo as an offense against a defense that we should be able to control um, offensively. We should be able to control this defense. Yeah. Um, we have the talent, the skill, the development, all of that sort of thing. So let's see what Satterfield um, brings to the table as a coordinator and see if he can start to develop an identity against a defense that allows the skill of Nebraska to put that on display. Yeah. Um, do you th- I, I, I've just had this thought. <laughs> um you you want to run? Let's say you're Satterfield and you want to and, and roll and you want to run a a power game, right? Like a power yeah. run game. If you're going up against a defensive front like Northern Illinois and you come into the game with this idea of like, hey, like we we've, we've got a couple losses and and it's not gone well for us offensively. Like let's go back to the most basic power run game we can do. Um, if Northern Illinois' defensive front is giving you trouble early on, like when do you? abandon that to try to secure success just winning the game or do you just like stick to your guns like I just imagine that's got to be very hard as a coach to because you want to win the game right like but at the same I don't know I, just, I, I I'm, I'm just imagining this out like um yeah in the moment but do you understand what I'm trying to say I, like, I totally get what you're saying like how how 
how stubborn do you want to be, right? Like how, how focused on the future versus right now do you want to be like, I, but I think the thing is, is with the skill set that we have with these players, with the fact that Harburg hasn't had a ton of reps throwing the ball live in actual competition, I think power is your best way or, or running a, a, a run scheme that is kind of supplemented by the passing game as opposed to the passing game that opens up the run game. I, I think that that is your lane to victory, regardless of how Northern Illinois is is fighting against you. You have to be able to impose your will on teams of this caliber. Um, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, if we can't do that against this team, we're not going to be, it's going to be a buzzsaw when we get into the Big Ten West, because that's right. all this is. Right. Right. This is, that's the only way to find, we tried the other way around. You can't just throw the ball in the Big Ten West, because it's populated with some of the best secondaries and some of the best cornerbacks and safeties in the country. Yeah, Wisconsin. Wisconsin, Illinois. Purdue. Purdue. Like, they all had really strong... Oh, I was talking about Wisconsin talking about the, trying to throw the ball. Oh, I'm talking about their <laughs> secondaries. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, Iowa, like, there is some serious talent. So you can't just think, okay, if I throw the ball, I can score quickly and get caught up. Right? You can't have that mentality. You have to be able to move the ball on the ground in any facet of this league to find success. And so I don't think it's a matter of like, if we're not running the ball well against Northern Illinois, do we abandon it for the pass? Well, the pass isn't a guarantee either, right? Jeff Sims showed that you get the right blocking and you can score just as fast on a run play as you can on a passing play. And I think that this Nebraska offense wants to be able to strike like that. I think that's what Matt Rule wants is, if we're going to bust a big play, it's not because we called, you know, a, a, a post route down the field and we got a big chunk 30 yards that broke into a touchdown. It's because we opened up a massive gap on the defensive line and our guy ran 60 yards for a touchdown. And you know what? We're going to fucking we're going to flip the cassette tape over. And we're going to play that track again. <laughs> we're just going to keep doing that. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. I, I, it's it's hard to be like, well, what do we do? If we're losing, but it's like, it's not like we can just do something else and win. Otherwise, we'd have been doing that. Yeah. I think it's more a matter of like, this is what we're going to win at. And there's no other option. Yeah. So right. that's that's my answer to that. It's a good answer. I don't, it doesn't, it's not a very comforting answer. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Nebraska's defense. No, I, well, I actually, oh, I, I, I'm okay. sorry. I actually have, I have some more things, just a couple more things. Okay. Um, that I want to point out about our offense against this defense. Yeah, let's hear them. Um, let's see. So so Nebraska's running game, I think they've been healthy, right? They have averaged 4.85 yards per carry, which is solid, right? Yep. Like, um, And that is when you remove all the quarterback rushing, which there's been a lot of. Um, Northern Illinois' defense has given up five yards per carry on first down. So they're giving That's you half great. of what you need, right? That's what you want if you're um, Nebraska. So this, I think this is another game where, again, like you can establish the run and you do it early and often. Um, Northern Illinois is willing to give that to you. If you don't choose to take that, here's what happens. Um, NIU's defense is holding opponents to 25% third down conversion rate. Ooh. Yeah, they're really fucking good at stopping you on third down. That includes the the... Offenses against them have been one for 13 on third and four or more yards to go. Really? Yeah. Only four yards. Only four yards. That tends to be closer to like a 50%. Yeah. Like four to six yards is kind of a, 
uh, half the that's time the, you're going to get the it. medium. Yeah. yeah. And if, if you're looking at, yeah, if you're looking at four to six yards and you're looking at a, a, a defense that gives up about five yards per run anyway, regardless of down, um, they, they become really good at, at those, those medium to long range third down conversions. And so Nebraska, um, can take advantage on first down, set themselves up really well for those second and third downs. Um, because Nebraska, they have failed to convert a third down play of seven or more yards at all this season. Oh my God. Like, don't tell all. me that. Like there's no oh. like dumb luck. There's no broken down play. There's no nothing that Nebraska has done on third and seven or more. Um, We've run 12 plays in that instance, and our total yardage is 17 on those 12 plays. Like, oh. Nebraska's offense, like, needs to – they just than, need to set themselves up for success. And they can do that – it's like a little over a yard per – Yeah, like 1.18 yards Yeah, per, per third and seven or long. Third and long. Third and – yep. Um, so, so, anyway – that's that's what I want to see. I just want to see Nebraska do the, like the most basic shit. Like just run the ball on first down, get your five yards, make it second and manageable. Don't throw the ball. Like pick if 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 you pick up three yards, you're you're okay. Yeah. On second down. You know what I do want to see though? I do want to see them continue with the motion. Yeah. I really I and 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 I, and I know that people are going to be like, why the fuck would you want that? <laughs> The motion that they had against Colorado was effective against Colorado's defense, right? So even though they were lined up to run the ball and they threw that receiver into motion to make Colorado have to think, is this a pass play? How do I get even numbers against this? And they were they were giving Colorado some odd looks because of that motion. Yeah. I think it's a really intelligent way to keep people uncomfortable during the run game. So even though I want a simple game where we're running power, you know, the play calls are like left, right, power iso whatever it happens it's just a, a a run scheme i still want to see some wrinkles that will pay dividends down down the road yeah you know i'm 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 okay with that um the, just, the timing obviously has thrown things off and made made it difficult to be successful there so um you know if, if jeff sims couldn't get the timing down right on those like is your second is your second and third guy or like are they going to be comfortable there um can we simplify pre-snap motions to... I mean, it was one guy in motion. <laughs> and to be fair, he was calling for the snap before the guy cleared the center. So, like, yeah. it was trying to be a little too perfect on the timing. Yeah. And I think that there's, you know, I think with with a week of practice as the starter, I, I think you can get it down. I think you can, too. Because it's, it's honestly, it's, like, pretty basic at this point in any, any offense. We're saying scheme. that, like, we're both cuddled up with ciders on the couch. <laughs> Not next to each other, cuddled up, but like we both have our knees in our hands. Yeah, and that's true. So I don't know. Yeah, no. Yeah, it could be remarkably it is probably difficult because you're trying to like time everything out while also this reading is, and like understanding what the defense is doing and reacting. Definition blah, blah, blah. of an armchair quarterback <laughs> right now. <laughs> like, it is We are sitting with our arms on armrests, talking about quarterbacking, <laughs> a thing we've never done in our lives. That's why we're called wannabe walk-ons. We because are. we can't even walk onto a program. Yeah. If if we walked out on the field and stood on the end and they yelled at us to get off, we'd be like, Yeah, we get it. This this is we understand that we are desecrating whatever's going on here <laughs> just by our physical lack of physical prowess. Yeah. So okay. Nebraska's defense. 
What what are you what are you looking for? What uh, what are you wanting? I can tell you what I want. You want to start? You go for it. Yeah, I just I want I want as close to a shutout as possible. Okay. I want I want this defense to be rewarded for the play that they've had the first two weeks. Yeah. I want the offense to be serviceable, and I want the defense to get their reward this week, where it's like, okay, we we do have an imposing defense. We have a violent and an aggressive defense, and we have one that. Um, doesn't play aggressive for the lack of allowing others to score. It's aggressive and it's successful in that. And I think that you've got a quarterback in Rocky Lombardi uh, for Northern Illinois that is uh, seasoned, but I don't think that uh, I think it's no more than salt and pepper. You could seize. Well, I was gonna say you can season the tire, and it's not a steak. <laughs> that's that's a that's a fair look <laughs> at it too. Know? I'm just saying he's a seasoned quarterback in the sense that he's been around for seven years. Yeah. Um, but. I think that you can disrupt him quite easily. Yeah. Um, and I, th- I think that this defense is going to be able to do that. I absolutely agree. Um, this is where all of my confidence comes in us winning this game. Uh, Southern Illinois, who just beat them, they're an FCS program. Yeah. They're, it's an in-state rival. Salukis? You know? The Salukis. Yeah, it's the Salukis. Um, they also run a three-three-five. As far as I could tell from, from watching them, um, they managed to produce three interceptions. Four sacks, 11 tackles for loss, and they only allowed 63 yards rushing on 34 carries against Northern Illinois. Nice. I love all of those numbers. Like, if Nebraska did that, I would feel good. Southern Illinois did that. Um, I think Nebraska can can do that, right, on an average day for this defense. Um, So I feel really good there. Um, Yeah, Rocky Lombardi was, he was kind of the dude when he was healthy for them last year. Um... And and I thought him coming back healthy, I thought he was actually going to like get get things back on track um, for for this program this year. And and he, it just hasn't clicked. Um, he doesn't have a good support from his run game. Um, they've got Ontario Brown and and Gavin Williams who transferred in from Iowa, who have averaged a little over three yards a carry. So he doesn't have a lot of support there. And this is a this is a team, an offense that wants to run the ball a lot, right? Yeah. Um, and so if you don't have um, if you don't have a, a an offensive line that can that can generate yards uh, for you, and if you don't have a, a stud running back like they had last year that you can lean on, um, it makes it a lot more difficult in every other facet of the game. And we've seen that from from Rocky Lombardi and, and his one to three ratio, you know, touchdown interception. So, um, <laughs> what's that like? It's yeah. <laughs> This no, this has been as they've surprisingly disappointed so far this year. I did expect more out of Northern. I thought they would be a little bit better than this, Um, and and it's weird like saying that after they you know they beat Boston College on the road, which um, you know you can you can laugh at that, but like for Northern Illinois, like beating any any. I, I don't drive. like they went on the road to open the year. I don't think that's a bad loss. An, and and I'm sure that going into this Nebraska game, they they probably looked at their season and said we're probably going to be one and one. But I don't think that they thought it was going to be this one and one. Yeah, they probably thought it might have been flipped, um, and and so you know you go into a game like Nebraska, and I never want to count a team like a Northern Illinois out. The last time they were here, they didn't have the same head coach, but they still have that same identity. Where these are some tough players who play hard football, and they're never going to roll over and die. Uh, they're not going to quit on you. So I think it's always a game uh, until the clock hits zero in the fourth quarter. But I do think it's one that Nebraska can have complete control over. Um, and it doesn't need to be one that, you know, we get an early lead and then it just starts to leak. I think our defense, if if this defense is playing with a lead, man, can you imagine what they're going to look like? That, that plus the, 
at the energy from you know a home crowd if if yeah if the defense can just continue to be shut down um if they can just keep being perfect if they can just continue to be perfect and they can be yeah i really do believe it they can be if they can continue to operate at the level that they have and the offense can can just put a touchdown on the board early right like yeah and then you know here's the ball back to the defense home crowd you know matt rules first game night game like there's so much there's so much that can go very very right yeah um in this game that can snowball into a, a big win um and and carry you forward and kind of like hopefully help not forget about what's happened in the past but maybe like smooth some things over and say like look like this is what we this is what we're building towards and yeah um you know it's a it's the smaller opponent on the schedule but um you know, a clean game in that environment can go a long way. Yeah. I really believe that. It'd be so nice if if we do, you know, we, we get the ball first. Northern Illinois wins the toss. They elect to defer. We kick off. We take a touchback on the 25. Then you've got this, like, 10-yard, 75-yard, or 10-play, 75-yard. <laughs> like, right? <laughs> you, you get third and seven, <laughs> three and out off the field. No. You get a 75-yard Ten play drive, you're averaging seven and a half yards a carry. We don't throw the ball once, and you just move the ball down the field and score a touchdown. It's just this steady dose of a little, you know, one quarterback run. Gabe Irvin has six carries, sub in, Ramir gets a few, and then we just pound it in with maybe a fullback or something like that. Like then you feel like, okay, we can settle down, we can settle in, and then the defense takes the field, goes three and out, and the offense goes right back out there. And maybe we see a nice play from special teams with a good punt return or something like that like there is a way that this game gets started um where you feel immediately at ease yeah. and i think that nebraska is capable of it um i think that uh if if we can play mistake free for that first series uh and score seven points i mean get a touchdown right out of the gate i think that that's gonna you're gonna feel within the stadium and across the state this like the shoulders dropping and people exhaling i hope so yeah and that's an important part like Fans are losing their minds, right? At least collectively online, it feels like. I mean, like. I am too. Yeah. I mean, no, come on. I'm okay. I'm fine. I No, okay. I'm okay. Okay. But I'm also kind of like, I I don't, I don't, I don't. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I understand you. No, no I, I'm not worried, man. Like, yeah. I'm not worried. I'm just not worried. Um, I want, I, I wanted rule here when I, when he got hired. I wanted him to do his things his way. He talks. It's a three-year build, man. Like it is a three-year build. He has not won more than two games in his first year at a at a program, you know, between Temple and Baylor. And so, um, I think we're gonna win more than two. Like I still have that on the table. Well, yeah. Um, I expected six. You know, I expected a bowl game. Like I was one of those that bought into the the year two, um, rule whatever. But like even now, even if even if we don't make the bowl game, like I still feel like we're progressing towards that um i think it's important for fans to stay bought in like don't jump ship so early don't don't lose your collective minds don't throw negativity out because like we're too connected anymore yeah um players and 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 coaches but especially players are too tuned into what is being said um about them or about the program that it they're 
it's meaningful. Like saying negative things and at least publicly, like that's meaningful. That's a meaningful impact. Yeah. Especially when it starts to build up and add up. And so I don't know. Anyway, hopefully I'm hoping that, um, you know, as a home game, a home, a home crowd, um, a night game, I, I just want to see positive energy towards these players. Yeah. And I want to see that not just in the stadium, but I want to see that continue and carry out on all of their platforms and any other way that you can connect to this program and to players to continue to be positive towards them because they are working towards building sure. something that's going to take time. So you're asking the internet to be nice? Be good people, please. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a lot to ask, right? No. I mean, the internet is full of love and happiness and joy, and everyone says only nice things to each other. Exactly how it was designed to be. Yeah. 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 An internet, a net in which we are all interconnected. <laughs> yeah. A bunch of butterflies, just happy little butterflies yeah. floating around in this net. Yeah. Interly. Interly. <laughs> well, let's say you, we get to our predictions okay i've gone first or i've gone second the last two weeks so i'm gonna go first gonna go this first? time okay. i'm gonna go first okay okay so here's what i predict i predict we'll get down to the game around two o'clock i predict we're gonna go to misty's because the last time we didn't there was a rain out oh yeah. yeah i predict that after misty's we're gonna walk, walk around the the field we're gonna go down and we're gonna see the guys warm up yep i predict we're gonna sit in our seats for an hour and a half before kickoff <laughs> and we're gonna be super excited Yes. I predict that Nebraska is going to start with a nice long drive where we average seven and a half yards per carry and pounded in with a fullback. Okay. I predict that there's going to be no balloons <laughs> because they got rid of them. They did get rid of the balloons. Oh, yeah, I thought they got rid of the balloons. Did they? I never, I don't know. I said, how tuned in, how tuned in am I? <laughs> and I predict that the defense is going to allow zero points. Give me Nebraska 24 to zero against Northern Illinois. And I predict them would go home happy. Wow. A pitching a shutout? I think I think that this defense can do it if the offense, if if they can sustain these nice long drives, get into a nice rhythm, and allow the defense to continue to rest. I like I like the way that Nebraska matches up against a Northern Illinois team with a rested defense, being able to cycle players players in and out. There's a huge thing that I've I've been so impressed with how efficient. Nebraska's defense is able to substitute and to not see a drop off in talent and ability. Yeah. And to do it cleanly. Yes. Not that, you know, 12 men on the field type yep. stuff. We haven't seen a lot of, I think we've maybe once. So, so 24, yeah. nothing. Okay. I like that. I would accept. Okay. I accept it now. Let's not even move forward to <laughs> Saturday. Okay. Here we go. I have a letter here. All right. From <laughs> a special guest that Nebraska is all too familiar with. Dear Husker Nation, I know, I know, this is not the product you wanted or expected to see on the field, even though it is a year one Matt Rule team. That Minnesota game sure felt like last year all over again, didn't it? It got you all upset about bad throws and interceptions. And then your team rolled into Boulder, and suddenly, fumbling is the issue. Heck, even Deion Sanders would have dropped fewer snaps if he was using his feet. To make matters worse, your defense has been pretty lights out. They've got more sacks than a Santa convention and have only given up 113 yards on the ground. The last time a Nebraska team held two consecutive opponents to under 60 yards rushing was in 2012 against Idaho State and Wisconsin. 
Granted, the Badgers still managed 595 total yards rushing against your team that year, but I digress. This week, Northern Illinois is on tap, and while I did very much enjoy your 2017 home loss to the Huskies, I regret to inform you that I am taking this week off to visit Champaign, Illinois. That means no weird bounces, head-scratching turnovers, or last-minute meltdowns in Lincoln. Well, not, not on my account. Good luck this week, Huskers. I'll be back next week for the Louisiana Tech game. Yours truly, Loki, the Husker football-hating god of chaos. <laughs> you got a score in there? I didn't I didn't write down a score. I would put it at, like, 31. I have 31-13 in my head, okay. somewhere around there. I, like, like, hovering around 30, um, which would be an impressive output for this offense at this point. Um I don't think that our defense. I don't think it's. I don't think it's close. I think that it's a comfortable, comfortable win at least um, for the the final three quarters. Let's say. Yeah. Um. I. I don't think we see the same mistakes. Like I just. I don't think that we see the same mistakes that we've seen from the offense. I don't think they're going to be put in a position to to make a lot of like passing mistakes. Yeah. Um. You know we've been fumble prone, for a long time. Um. You can argue that the handoff was Sims' fault. You could argue the handoff was Irvin's fault in the Colorado game. I'm not going to place blame on either one because I don't know. Um, I don't know enough about actually playing the game of football. You don't know how to hand a ball to somebody. <laughs> I mean, while well, moving, that's yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's that's not for me to call. But the the other kind of weird fumbly stuff, it's like just protect the ball. Gabe Irvin did a great job against Colorado on a long run that he broke um, when he. Saw defenders closing in on him. He put two arms around the ball, and you know he he held on to the ball as opposed to trying to break something and make something magical happen. Yeah, I'm happy to keep seeing smart football like that. I think this is a team that that you can continue to establish that. Yeah, um, I'd be happy with a 31-13. I'd be happy with a 24 to nothing. You know, uh, great team or good teams win, great teams cover. And if the the line <laughs> opens at 13 uh, in Nebraska's favor, I'd like to see us score 14 more. Yeah, you know, just outperform what what is expected of you. Just if if it's by a point, um, and and that gives me some momentum heading into La Tech. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Cool. Well, that does it for this week. We want to thank everyone who tuned into this week's episode. If you have anyone who you think would enjoy a listen, we would truly appreciate your recommendation. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Wannabe Walk-Ons and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Remember to do your part. Drink local beer or cider wherever you nice. are. You can find more information on James Arthur Vineyards and Curveball Cider by visiting jamesarthurvineyards.com. If you have any breweries you would like us to sample on the show, visit wannabewalkons.com to submit your recommendation. Thanks again for listening. Join us next week as we recap the Northern Illinois game, sample another Nebraska brewery, and preview Nebraska's matchup against Louisiana Tech. Thanks for listening, and as always, drink Big Red. Drink Big Red. Sports Network Production.